When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, I'd like to put a disclaimer before this episode. When it was recorded, Russia had not invaded Ukraine. We cover the space race, Russia is heavily mentioned, and we do even for a moment mention the potential invasion as that was the status at the time of recording. Although what is currently unfolding is not in relation to the vast majority of conversation we had, I just wanted to make sure to note that we were not purposefully not mentioning the news of the invasion as, like I said, it hadn't happened at the time of the recording. Also, know that my thoughts and prayers are with Ukraine, as well as our national leaders making really big decisions. Thanks for listening, and here's the episode. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today I'm joined by one guest that everyone loves every single time he's on. It is my pal, John Driver. Hey, how you doing, Allison? I am good. Would you like to tell the people the fact that you're not caught up on my podcast? <sighs> Guys, everybody, it's been a long a long day of sordid discussions about it. It has. Okay, so <laughs> let, me, let me take you back. So we were talking today about the fact that I am so caught up on John's that I go back and listen to old episodes because I just love it. It's just a really good podcast. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, did you hear this one particular episode? And he's like, eh, no. <laughs> oh, man, I'm not caught up. It's a dead-on impression. Yeah, it, it actually was. Yeah. And and I was like, okay. I mean, I like really wanted you to listen to this one episode. I remember sending it, but that's fine. I know, I know. And then I was like, okay, well, like how behind are you yeah. and you were you refused to tell me i even said get out your phone and no. tell me and you wouldn't so that means it's bad no it's bad it's bad because and i told you this i'm behind on everything i ever listen to right now but i am very ashamed so if that makes you feel i i feel like my shame is not making you feel any better no it's not actually i think what bothers me the most is that i had a recent episode that was so good and i sent it to you over and over and yeah. you still haven't listened to it that so. that's my fault yeah now i had covid does that, is that going to help at all? No, because you're thinking you're sitting around doing nothing yeah, or whatever. We're too, yeah, and then I've we're been, two years into this. I've Who hasn't? I've been traveling almost every weekend for volleyball mm-hmm. with my family. Well, they would love the podcast. I don't. I don't know if my daughter. I love her, and she loves me, but I don't know if she would enjoy the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. I would yeah, say that she's 13. Right? Yeah, she's not. It's not her yeah, vibe. She's not there yet. Um, and I'm behind on everything. I'm behind on my book reading. I'm behind. On, I'm not listening to any other podcasts right now. So, um, do you go back and listen to your own? Uh, not, I'm, I'm behind on that too. Occasionally, I go back to see how I have how, to listen to my own. I want to know how it went. Yeah. yeah, I'll go back and be like, oh, okay, but not usually the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I might catch, you know, five, 10 minutes to that's what I do. Usually, I'm just checking to make sure it actually published correctly, you know. Um, but no, I'm even behind on my own. Yeah. So, but I would like to openly, uh, express uh, a lot of regret uh-huh. and apologize and, Will it make a difference when I catch up? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so... But it has to be within, like, the week. My episodes are so short. So, okay. You need me to catch up on the entire podcast. What? I don't know. How I don't know how many. I don't you? know how many. I think I this don't. is my either 77th or 78th episode. So, I don't know how many behind You've I listened am. to two, haven't you? No, I've listened to more than two. Yeah, you've at least listened to how many you're on, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> You've at least gotten that far. <laughs> See, I knew that was going to come up. The thing is, if I listen to the ones I'm on, yeah, it's it's out of insecurity. 
it's like, oh, did I make Allison's podcast suck oh, that day? Oh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, did I add anything of value or did I sound like an idiot? No, you know, you're like, wow, I sounded wonderful. <laughs> what a point that was. I don't know why I just went to that I don't accent. Think, I don't, <laughs> you, tur- you turn British all of a sudden. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's more intellectual than I think our, our Southern accent. So my, my internal self, you think, has an intellectual British accent. So that would be awesome. Yeah, but, I could see that, actually. Like, I often think about my dog, and I speak in a really ridiculous voice for the dog, but then I think, what if inside, like, truly, there's, like, this brilliant statesman? <laughs> there's something You know there. what I'm saying? Yeah. And, the whole, and he knows this, what I'm saying, and he's just like, why Why do you, you know, demean me yeah. so much as if I'm, you know, diminutive as this small little dog? But inside, he's using great words. Let me you tell know? you why I'm bothered. You have that much time to think about your dogs <laughs> in your monologue, but you haven't caught up on my podcast. Well, this is the mind of a creative. Like, yeah. I don't have a choice but to think about that. I don't, I read something this week that talked about, it said, it was trying to get you to understand the thoughts inside of your mind that might not be true. It's really healthy to go, oh, okay, this thought feels so true. But sometimes you have to redirect your thoughts. And and it made, the author made this sort of statement that you don't have a choice but to think about something. Like, you can't think about nothing. Yeah. So that's what goes through my mind. There's all kinds of stuff. No, if, I, true. if I could read, I'm trying to just redirect it all, but I can't stop it. So yes, the inner monologue yeah. of my dog is sense. something in there. And yes, it's dumb, but so am I. So here we are, I would, full circle. I would like to preface and tell the audience before I get hate mail, people be like, you're so mean to your friend. Y'all, I'm joking. <laughs> it's fine. It's really fine. I'm totally okay with it. And I'd like to also say, I really do love your podcast. Thanks. Appreciate and you. I, I absolutely do. And I, as long I, as you're subscribed and you give me that download. You get the download. And I would say I've listened to your podcast more than anybody else's. Okay. So that That's good. good. Yeah. So, yeah. This has gone on so long. <laughs> I was talking about this. <laughs> like, People are, I'm going to watch the chart. It's like, going to be going down. down. Yeah. You know what? I think the point of the whole thing has been for me Yeah, is how awesome my podcast is. It you is. Can't, you can't stop yes. listening to it. Talk so. about that. The, it's truly my favorite podcast. I say it all the time. It truly is. I mean, and if people want to listen to it, they can go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com. They can't. But they yeah. don't have to. Yeah. I'm just saying. Of course. It, and a, I will link it in the show notes <laughs> because it is great. Also, I wanted to address something okay. on the podcast. Mm. So this has not been something. I'm very private. On my podcast before, and you guys, we do have a topic today. We will get to it, but I had to say this. I'm very private on the podcast, and as you know, as good friends with me and Jeffrey, I have had a long period of time of building a platform and kind of figuring out what that meant for me, whether as far as privacy goes or just my life in general, what do I share? This podcast is not about me necessarily. It's about, you know, the Kennedys and stuff like that. So I've had a, a time of trying to figure that out. So... I have not shared a big part of my life on the podcast. Right. And um, on Instagram, if you're not following me there, at Kennedy Dynasty, you should be following. Lots of fun over there. Anyway, I shared a clip, and there was a car seat in the back of my car. Mm. And I started getting lots of messages like, wait, I'm sorry. What? What are you're you? Like, are Jeffrey's, you a- Jeffrey's really yeah, small. Yeah, he's tiny. We have to start <laughs> back. Um, but uh, lots of questions. People like, are you a nanny? Like, what, what, what's going on? You know? So you should go read my post on Instagram. I made a big post about the fact that, yes, I have kids. I am a mother. Mm-hmm. And I I guess I just haven't shared that aspect for privacy reasons, just because, like I said, it's just not about me necessarily. But yeah. I think I think I've built, you know, people really 
I've connected with people really well on Instagram and here. And I do feel like I've built a community with that I should be more transparent with. So I don't know. I got a lot of really positive comments of people being like, wow, you're a working mom who's done this and built this. Like that's so inspiring, things like that. And so I wrote a letter on Instagram to moms just saying, trying to encourage them to find something for themselves because that's very much what this was for me. It was something that Jeffrey was always working. Everyone around me had a thing. And my thing was taking care of my kids, which is wonderful. And I completely commend people that that is their life goal, life passion. That's very fulfilling to them. Commend that. I think it's fantastic. But my brain personally needed something that was just mine. And so, I don't know, that's what this podcast really birthed out of. during the pandemic and the story that people know so well of me just kind of grabbing a mic and going with it. And then it worked shockingly and it's become a thing. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to address that and talk about it. Let everybody here know that yes, I have a family and that's one of the reasons that this is so much work for me. I mean, an insane amount of work for me because I run a house and a family and I have another part-time job and I have a lot going on, but I just really prioritize this for myself because it's become something really important to me and I'm really proud of it. So yeah. And you put so much into this, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the fact that you do it juggling the family and your family's wonderful by the way. Oh yeah. And the way that you juggle your family, uh, I mean, it's very, I mean, I'm not just trying to brag on you. I mean, but it, it really demonstrates, I think a, a propensity for the topic, number one, but also a drive because doing things, pr- producing things doesn't, they don't just happen. I mean, there, there is a huge process and a lot of sacrifice you put into it. So, no, and, and, and just from my vantage point, not that you asked, um, I mean, I, I think it's okay not to publicize everything about your family. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like I said, this is not a podcast. My podcast is a lot of personal stuff, and I talk about being a dad and all those kinds of things. You know, yours is, is a very different topic. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's great, and I'm glad the, the listeners are learning you know, that you have that side to you. But I also understand why you wouldn't just go publicize right. now that. So, you know. I think it just, this platform, it's not like it's massive or anything, but it's got, it got really big really fast, almost yeah. to the point, it's shockingly so. So it was to the point that it was kind of like, okay, well, what do I share here? What do I do here? Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I kind of said, I really do encourage you guys to go read it. Cause I, I just kind of said like, I feel like I should have shared that all along because I really do think that I could encourage maybe other mothers that maybe feel that, there's a feeling of, God, you love your children and your babies so much and you want to pour your life and your soul into them and you do and it's a constant every day. But sometimes I think it's important that although motherhood is such a central, if not the most important part of some people's life, my life, you know, uh, I think it's important that mothers don't get lost in that or lose a piece of themselves and still have something for themselves. And so, I don't know, I just wanted to encourage other people to, you know, find something, a a hobby or something that interests them and go for it and don't know what it is. Google, like find something for you. And I just think it's been really, it's, it's been mentally wonderful for for me. It's given such experiences and amazing things. And I just, I don't know, I'm really thankful. I I feel very fulfilled in that way right now. So yeah. Yeah. Being, doing more than one thing does not diminish motherhood. No, 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 no. Yeah. It doesn't. And, and, and yeah. I think that that, I don't know, there's a lot of stigmas around, you know, sure. that. And so that's a whole other conversation in and of itself. But, um, no, I'm just, it's, I'm just really thankful for the audience and it's allowed me to have something for me that I really enjoy. And I'm, I'm proud of the work that I put into it. It hasn't been easy to keep going with it. That would have been very easy to quit yeah. and it still would be easy to quit. I don't want to. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot, but I wanted to share that here. So yeah, big part of my life. Yeah, <laughs> Biggest what? part of my life. I have children, <laughs> plural, literally children. So yeah. yeah. No, well, we, I'm sure everyone appreciates you sharing that. And, and I think it does empower people 
It doesn't have to be something public or something produced. You know, there are a lot of other things that that we can uh, that parents in general, and, and especially I know my wife could speak to this so much more in her life. She's a professional who works from home. Uh, who you know, we also have uh, always been able to have our, our child at home until school age and those things. And so, um, it's a balance and it's hard. But like you said, it's okay. Motherhood, fatherhood, none of these things all look the same. We make them very monolithic. That everyone, this is what a good mom looks like, or this is what a, you know, there, there, it's difficult uh, to put people into one box like that. So I think seeing what you're doing, is, it may, may help people out there go, hey, I don't have to look exactly the same. I mean, comparison is just the, it's a dangerous game as it is. And so, you know, find out where you are, find your boundaries in, in the right places and know that it's okay to have more than one thing. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't say all that to like pat myself on the back or anything like that. I just was trying to be transparent. She is literally patting herself on the back. I don't know how she's I, doing it. Her <laughs> arm is very flexible. No, I think I just wanted to share here as well because I had so many people be like, wait, what? Why have you never mentioned your yeah. kids? Like people in the comment section were like, that's kind of weird. Why, why have you not said that or people were really encouraging and kind like wow that makes me see this show a little differently you know that there was more going on in your life behind the scenes and you kind of made it work anyway so anyway i just yep. want to share um that i have no way to tie that into our topic <laughs> at all but today's topic is the space race and yeah. john's gonna teach me in this honestly y'all I mean, I obviously know, you know, JFK's Rice University, we choose to go to the moon. I know all of the things around that, but I wanted to really dive into a more worldly look at the space race, why this was a thing, why, where was the competition laying, why and how and all the intricacies of it. So I just want you, history teacher, take it away and tell yeah. us all the things. <laughs> well, and again, jump in uh, with anything. Sure. I mean, I don't know. This is not exactly, I'd say, my specialty of, of knowledge base, but I'm always fascinated by the trends. And of course, Kennedy is a part of those trends, but I think he's not an origination of a lot of them. He's a continuation that then, in my opinion, uh, cr created sort of a new face to a lot of the things, but they didn't just happen on his watch. Like he was perpetuating something. And I think often we see him as the face of, of some things, especially in the, in the space race. But technically, the space program, I believe, was started mid-50s. Uh, and if you really go back, this is all a World War II downstream effect because especially of rocket technology uh, that they're trying to develop. And so that, that's always the case throughout all of history. Wars, they are horrible. And I'm not sure there's anything that can justify the human loss uh, of, of those wars. If there's anything positive that it comes out of them, it's that there's always an advancement, a vast advancement in technology. And certainly for the United States, there was a vast advancement of economic, uh, really superiority in the world. You know, especially in World War I, and again, I'm not trying to go back so far, but World War II is actually a continuation of World War I. Because at the end of World War I, there's this armistice that Germany is not happy about. And really, they use their discontentment uh, of, of the terms of that armistice, especially in the 30s during the Depression. Hitler and the Nazi Party are able to use the discontentment of that armistice to really build uh, a, a, a narrative, uh, a fascist narrative that, hey, you know, this is unfair. Everything's been taken away from you. It's, it's particularly the Jews 
are to blame for a lot of that because they're taking, you know, their, uh, the, the good jobs and the, and the money and all those things. And so you get people desperate enough and mad enough. And I think we see that in today's world. You get people uh, looking at or being terrified of or showing hatred towards or even considering a group of people to be inhumane. It doesn't have to even be all racial. Okay, it was certainly ethnic towards the Jews, uh, but you can take anyone who's your ideological enemy and you can dehumanize them. And then if you if they're no longer human to you, it justifies anything you want to do to them. And so that continuation led into the World War II, uh, which again is just, to me, part two of the same war. And in that war then, because of the advancement of technology in the first part, now the advancement of technology is moving so much faster, so much greater because of the need uh, to try to win the war. And that's really that rocket, specifically rocket technology, you know, that leads to, you know, and, and, and missiles and all those things that they're trying to develop. It's atomic energy that is harnessed in a different way, in a tragic way. Uh, but man, all of a sudden you come to 1945, 1946, and the entire geopolitical chessboard has been repositioned. And suddenly you have the United States who certainly went in as a major world power, but emerged as the major world power versus Russia, who came in as obviously a strong historical power and emerges with unprecedented power in Eastern Europe. And that's the epicenter, the dividing line, you know, right down the middle of Berlin of the Cold War in both sides uh, are now sitting on top of so much power and so much technological advancement that suddenly there's this tension. And so Cold War, someone asked today in a staff meeting, you know, uh, who was president during the Cold War? It's like, well, I mean, many people were president during the Cold War. It's this this tension that's almost necessary in some ways for what we think of as how the world works. It would not have been the way that people thought of it before. I'm not sure you could remove from modern American thought or possibly even modern Western thought, possibly even modern world thought. I'm not sure how Russian people think of this. But I know for my generation, and I'm you know uh, an 80s and 90s kid, and for me, just this idea of the Russians being dangerous and being our enemy and being strong, and we have to, to to show a strong force against them and their advancement. And that's the, the Marshall Doctrine. You know, this advancement of communism has to be stopped by the advancement of democracy, which justifies, again, a whole series of other conflicts and wars in the world, the greatest ones being Korea and Vietnam, where a great loss of life happens and people in the United States at some point come to the, to the conclusion that, why are we doing this? Why are we fighting a war in an Asian country that we seemingly have you know, no real connection to. And then the answer is the Cold War and how the space race plays into all of this is that technology and that sort of superiority and supremacy, who's going to win this race? And that's why they put race, I mean, with this. It is literally a race to see who the main superpower of the world can be and both feel that they need to offset the other. And it's really the story of the 20th century post-World War II. Because they were allies in World War II. And now divvying up what is left of Europe in particular, is it just changed the way it went. And I think that space was like the thing we could all do or all shoot for uh, that would establish dominance. And so there's a national pride. And, and you know, a lot of this, the wars, post-wars are where we get, you know, pledges of allegiance, where we get, you know, national anthems. 
and, and other things throughout history. They, they arise out of this sort of convergence and congealing of the public uh, around a central cause and then, you know, emerging. And often they arise from really unfortunate circumstances where we need to, we need to put people into, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily concentration camps, but internment camps. And in some countries, concentration camps in order to establish who the real Germans are and who the real Americans are. And both countries did this at times in our history. And that's where sort of this nationalism comes out, this national pride. And I'm all for patriotism. I, I really am. I, I think that where it crosses into this and what it what we see here, like Space Race shows us this, that the stakes are super high, that there's no amount of money that we are not willing to spend, not just to gain the next the next technological advancement, but literally to outdo our international opponent. And that became sort of the, you know, who's going to be first? And that's that's the tension of the entire late or mid to late 20th century. And the space race is just a great example of it because it really was like a who can plant the flag first uh, kind of thing. And of course, you know, you have two components. And Allison, I've talked a long time now. You, you're willing to chime in if you'd like to. I'm, I'm just like listening. No, okay. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning. Well, you get two components here, you know, and it's this is so, that's just fascinating look into the American psyche. Okay, ladies, I cannot wait to share this company with you. One With is patent-pending, ultra-flattering women's swimwear that fits and feels like seamless undergarments. And I'm telling y'all, when I put my suit on for the first time, I've never felt better in swimwear. It is so flattering and truly feels one with your body. The founder is a lifelong New Englander and Kennedy enthusiast, and the name, in addition to referencing the fact that the suits are one with a woman's body, is also partially inspired by the JFK quote where he alludes to us being one with the seat. The brand is based in and focuses on New England, and they even have a piece named after Hyannisport, the Hyannis Bikini Top. I, of course, love all the Kennedy references used by One With. Their swimwear is available in sizes extra small to 3X, and all patterns and colors can be mixed and matched. They have some super cute accessories, too. I'm telling you, ladies, you won't regret adding One With to your closet. And I even have a 20% off coupon for Kennedy Dynasty listeners. Just click the link in the description of this episode to lead you to onewithswim.com and enter code KENNEDY20 for 20% off. Again, that's KENNEDY20, K-E-N-N-E-D-Y 20, no spaces for 20% off. Happy shopping. We kind of feel like we won, right? Uh, I don't know what age you are if you're listening. You mean with the moon? Yeah. Yeah. Because we landed the first man who walked on the moon, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, America won. And there's a fascinating show on, I believe it's Apple Plus called For All Mankind. Yeah, that is on there. I haven't yeah. seen it, but I know it's there. Yeah. And and it's like, it it, it, it has this sort of butterfly effect premise of what would have happened if Russia would have beat us to the moon. But if you read historically, Russia kind of feels like they did beat us in the space race in some ways. They were the first ones, was it 1957? Mm-hmm. First ones to put uh, Sputnik, right, into space. Yes. So in 1959, they actually put an object on the moon. I mean, that's 1959. And you got to think, all of humanity's been staring at the moon. I mean, it's still this mysterious object. That's why there's so many conspiracy theories about whether or not this actually happened. Like, it's still so almost far-fetched to the modern mind to think that that would be possible. And I think you bring that momentum into Kennedy's mindset. I think he brings this sort of youthful energy to an old, an already old 
tension. So you got to think about the tension. This has been going on now. If you go back to World War I, again, you think of this all as one continual story. We love in modern history sort of takes to be like, oh, what do you like to study? I like to study this. I like to study that. And this is one story. Uh, and even the American history part is one story within a much grander story. Uh, and so we like to sort of isolate and, and, and silo the whole thing. But, but truthfully, it's one thing. And so if you go into that grand story, this has been a, a, a long, long process. And American presidents through that process, you know, from Truman, uh, obviously, well, FDR, I mean, he is interesting. Have you seen the movie Hidden Figures? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that was actually, so they, there's these, you know, so many black female mathematicians who were used by NASA really before the advent of computers to calculate all of the minutia in the distances and other things. And they they brought in into, it was part of though. FDR's sort of, I forget exactly which executive order or thing that he passed to add more African-American jobs to the process, but that was one of the results as it brought them into the process. Now, they were they were not honored. They were in, in separate facilities, paid differently, all kinds of different things that shows the black eye on our nation's history of these things, even when we included there was not an equality that should have been given. And this is pre-modern civil rights movement and all those things. So he was pretty progressive for their day, uh, but not at all progressive right. enough and still not something uh, that's acceptable. But in that process, though, you see, okay, already now FDR is is beginning the process and then it moves forward. And Truman, obviously, with uh, you know dropping the bomb, you know, there was I mean, you couldn't go back technologically after that. At this point, and, and we can't overlook that, the bomb creates the backdrop of things like the space race because the real, like, even if you can't convince people why geopolitically democracy is better than communism and we need to make sure that we don't let, you know, communism spread because it's a threat to our way of life. Eventually it'll spread just like Germany did, you know, with fascism, it'll spread all the way uh, through across Europe. And, and so th- there, there's some validity to that sort of, I guess, stance against Russian advancement. Yeah. But that's like domino theory, right? Yeah. So thing, things things are going to get bad if we let them do it. And, right. and I think there's validity to that. But man, now we had actually detonated on people, on an enemy, a, a horrible atomic blast that now becomes the flashpoint for fear of why the Cold War was a thing. Because it's not just that Russia might invade, it's that Russia might destroy us wipe us off the face of the planet and they had the same fear about us and we had the ability and so did they to do so all kinds of movies in the 80s I and mean, if you remember that there was an old movie i can't remember what's called our friend johnny will be yelling right now because he knows all those things but John, was, johnny's caught up on the podcast so is he okay well, <laughs> i don't a, know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> he probably is there was a movie in the 80s uh i think it was called war games actually and it was like a early look like pong almost kind of video game and there's this really really smart kid and he's he manages uh to hack into like the national defense computer and somehow the computer gets confused and is convinced that it's a real war game and so it begins to it's like there's this countdown sequence it thinks russia is firing on us and this kid is the one who hacked it all basically so he's getting picked up by the cia and it's like this whole adventure thing and he's trying to stop the computer convince the computer that it's just a game and not because it was something national the national defense you know people had created to try to create all these scenarios and somehow the computer thought it was real i mean but that was that's a great movie in the 80s because 
everybody had lived their lives the 50s, 60s, 70s, and now in the 80s and up until you know the, the fall of the Berlin Wall, believing that's a real possibility, and it really was. And so I, in some ways, almost like the space race creates like this outlet, like this non-destructive outlet, you know, that, that hey, we're going to get there and this is good, as opposed to we're going to have more nuclear missiles that can wipe off the, <laughs> the, our enemies off the face of the, of the earth. And so it sort of gave, I think, in my mind, almost good energy to a really bad thing and a lot of tension. And you think about how kids were terrified. And I hear stories from from my parents and, and, and grandparents over the years. I mean, all of the nuclear sort of tests in school where well, yeah, the, the drills. You know, go yeah. get under the chair. And like, if you know anything about it, getting under the chair is not going to help at all. Right. And so lots of, of anxiety. And suddenly now uh, there is this excitement over the most, you know, storied part of human history of looking up at the skies and knowing, wow, there's someone who's going to be stepping on that and we can be the first to get there. So it, it raises national pride uh, and it, it also then gives you a reason to do it fast <laughs> because someone else is trying to get there ahead of you. So this plays so much into a capitalistic, you know, sort of mindset of American exceptionalism and other things, but that's that all has good and bad things to it. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's all negative, but certainly I think Kennedy, man, he just steps in at just the right time in some ways, like to say, wow, I am the face of that progressive part of American exceptionalism and ideology that says we can go and do things we've never been able to do before, and we can do it faster than we thought. And so the reason you hold a little phone in your hand listening to this podcast today is that sort of ideology, that sort of mindset that says always push forward, you could do more than you thought, and suddenly not even the moon is out of reach. And it still is crazy to me to this day that even the moon's not out of reach. Uh, and the Russians, now how they, it doesn't feel like there was such, I don't know, maybe there was the same nationalistic fervor. I don't know. We'd have to have someone on to talk about that viewpoint. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it like was the same level of excitement and pride. I do know again to this day, though, a lot of the Russian historians seem to feel well, actually, Russia gets downplayed in this. They were the first ones to do a lot of the things into space, yes. just not this one thing we all decided was the most important. Yeah, because we decided <laughs> it's the most important. What, that's interesting that you say that, though, because I do wonder if from uh, their vantage point, if they're actually like, like they don't think it's that big of a deal that we beat them. The I don't know. <laughs> I don't like know. Maybe, they're, maybe they think, oh, no, it was more important that we put a man there first. Kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, you get to... And so someone is, knows that's listening right now. Yeah. It's like, I know this answer. But yeah, that's very interesting. And I, I kind of liked what you talked about, how Kennedy just brought such a new aspect to so many things. I mean, you think about his... Before him, he had Truman. Then he had Eisenhower. And then you have Kennedy, who those three humans could not be more different. He brings the idea of the new frontier in. And then you have what happens in 61, which would be fairly fresh into his presidency. Russia puts a man into space first. And that kind of makes Kennedy and everybody, you know, antsy. So they immediately, a month after, put a man into space. And then, 1962, John Glenn goes into space. He's the first man to ever orbit the Earth. Yes. And so Alan Shepard's the first American to go into space. Into space, space. yes. Right. John Glenn's the first to orbit the Earth. Yeah, and, and again, it's a... The one-upsmanship of the whole thing. Yeah, it's just constant. So, I mean, literally yeah. think about the month. There's a month between mm -hmm. like us sending someone anyway. Um, and then, you know, Kennedy makes his statement, like, we choose to go to the moon in this decade. Like, yeah. it's going to happen. 
you know, and that's, that's so profound. And it, I wonder if that kind of lit a fire for Russia. Sure. Oh, it would have to. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about. You want to put your flag there first. Yeah. And I mean, and there's no, there's no precedent for what it means to put your flag on the moon first. And that's kind of by the way, what for all mankind plays out. Like there's like a Russian moon camp. They go deep into it. And then an American moon camp. And there's like battles between the two at oh, some geez. point, you know, um, because it's like, you know, I mean, who, who claim it's very much like European explorers claiming new world lands, which obviously people already lived there, but, um, nobody's living in the moon that I know of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know how that, you know, I think we still don't know how so much that works. It's such a vast place. And then of course the space program, you know, in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, kind of went away for a while. Yeah, I mean, in terms of its prominence, because it was such an ex- an expenditure for what? And you got to think, Cold War, in theory, had ended. So y- you almost go, well, what's the point now <laughs> if we don't have our our enemies to outdo in order to maintain our side of the tension? So I don't know that historically if it's completely true outside of the, the, the grand cost. But early in American or, or mid-20th century American history, we were completely willing to spend any amount to beat the Russians here and see that as a national security uh, you know, highlight. This is what we have to do. And then later on in history, we don't have that threat. It seems like we are way less interested in terms of, of going. So I think, I think it affected a lot of their time to have that enemy, that existential enemy, does a lot for you. And I think that's where American history today is very difficult. Um, the war on terror is a different kind of existential enemy because it's not a national one. And so when you have a nation, you can point your guns at and they point their, you know, their guns at you. Um, certainly the Nazis, I mean, a horrible enemy that, you know, has plans to destroy you, to take over. Um, so like, well, wow, our, our options are clear. I've I read some somewhere, <laughs> author said, you know, nothing so marvelously clears the mind as a lack of choices. You know, so when, when all the choices are gone and, and we know what we have to do, it, it sort of brings out a lot of greatness in you. Why well, we call it the greatest generation. You know, it, they, they, they did what they had to do. There was no other choice but to do it. And a lot hung in the balance. Uh, that spirit, in my opinion, continued into the 50s and 60s because now um, we're we're having to continue to keep us safe. And the best way to do that is to stay dominant. Stay dominant because this enemy can't be trusted, but they're still a national enemy. Then you get into the early 2000s and suddenly the nature of our enemies change. Not that we still don't have national enemies. We don't have as many, although right now there's a lot of tension obviously with Russia. Um, but we're talking about sanctions right now if they invade Ukraine. You know, the 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 difference is is a, why would we say that? Because we're allies economically. It's a global economy at this point, and so yeah. Even if China, there's always tensions with China. The, the trillions of dollars flowing between the two countries, you know, and that was kind of not to nerd out. That was kind of Alexander Hamilton's whole point of being willing to go into national debt, as it ties your country to other countries, and so they're less likely to attack you if you're dependent upon one another economically, and so we kind of see that convergence of all those things in the, in the 21st century in a way that it wasn't the same, you know, in, until the fall of the Berlin wall and the end of the cold war as we knew it there. I mean, it still persisted in other ways, but the end of it as we knew it. And I think that that also altered the, 
the course of the space race in terms of the mindset of we have to win now. So. Sure. I still do think it's a, it was, and still to this day is a really admirable feat. I mean, I, I do, I do definitely think that. I think, I think it's, I mean, it's iconic that, you know, America, Neil Armstrong put the flag on, on the moon. And that's just such a part of our history that is so amazing to me that we did accomplish that in general, you know, might like I did took part in it, but I'm just saying, uh, no, I, I, well, do, they, I do think there was, and I also think it was an amazing feat for Kennedy to, to put forward and to say, and that was so inspiring in that moment of just exploration and something to, something to explore and, you know, pioneer and, and that sense I don't know. I've always thought it was interesting that, you know, he passes away in 63 and then finally it actually does happen within the decade in 69. I think that that's always kind of gotten me a little bit that it, you know, his, his statement kind of came true that it did happen within then. So I don't know. I just, I I do think it's a really amazing moment in our history for sure. I think it's significant that you said that we put someone on the moon and you said, ah, it's not like I did it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what he did. I think what Kennedy did was, he brought the country together For around sure. this goal. Yeah. That we still, generations later, go, oh, yeah, we did that. Yeah. So it, it was a part. And, and I, again, I don't ascribe to all of American exceptionalism because of so many negatives we see today. But I think it's okay to go, hey, there, there are elements to this particular democratic experiment <laughs> that we can be proud of, that we need to lean into, hold accountable to its stated ideals, okay, so when our Constitution says that, you know, all men are created equal and we are not holding ourselves to that that stated ideal, then we now have a reference point in order to correct. And as George Washington said in his farewell address, we have the right to create and alter our systems of government. And so we have a system that is designed to be altered. And though today um, there's such debate about whether we hate America or love America. And if you want to change America, you should leave. There's a door, you know. And so if you come back at someone and say, well, is there a part of America that you wish would change? Well, yeah, I mean, there is. Okay, well, why is it that someone else should leave? So the the question about who is a real American is still a major thing. And I think the 50s and 60s, uh, there were a lot of people that didn't feel like real Americans. And then there's a national consciousness, and and we have to state it as it is, that was a white American consciousness in many ways. But I think that you were beginning to see, as the civil rights movement came about, that others were starting to join that fray. And a lot of white Americans were beginning to welcome them and say, hey, our stated ideals are not being met here. So civil rights legislation uh, and and change in the way that we see those things was beginning to happen, and it has a long ways to go. I do think that most Americans would say we did that. Yeah. And that I think Kennedy, you know, played a major role in that. Yeah. Of, of the unity. S- yeah. Setting something ahead of us at a moment of, I mean, I hate to call this a cosmic dis- distraction <laughs> because I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure our scientific advancements were huge, but it was kind of like a thing we could do because we could. We're going to do this. No one's ever done this. Um, it's not like you're going to mine gold on the moon. They didn't know that yet, but who, who knows what's up there? You know, I mean, the early explorers are coming to get gold and coming to get land. And, you know, what are you, what are you going to get out of this was yet to be known, but it was an ideological, uh, I guess, goal to be set that 
all Americans and maybe all Russians too. I don't know. But the world watched. I think there was a sense of unity and there was a sense of unity in the way that he spoke in general as well. I mean, there was a, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily unique just to his presidency. I think that a lot of presidents do, you know, make sure that they state that we are all in this together. I find his words very inspiring and, and the accomplishment inspiring as a whole for sure. But I do, I do find it interesting to kind of the way that you've dissected the space race and to see that it was just kind of a interesting, like, no, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. Here we go. You know, race, (laughs) you know, I wonder without it, you know, what other, if war would have taken, would have taken up the space of the vacuum, Mm -hmm. you know, in that time, obviously there's a lot of threats, but that's interesting to me. Not until this conversation, I really thought it that deeply that, wow, it kind of gave us, it's kind of like the Olympics. You know, the Olympics give you something to interact with and compete with yep. with your national enemies, mm-hmm. international enemies, um, without having to shoot each other. <laughs> and, man, they hate each other a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And there's tension there and all those things. And they want to beat them so badly. At the end of the day, whoever wins, it's just bragging rights in that respect. And so it's a good – I mean, I'm not saying that the – the negativity towards each other is positive, but mm-hmm. it's way better than shooting missiles. Yeah. You know, so, um, and they were, they were shooting missiles at the moon instead and putting men on them mm-hmm. instead of shooting missiles at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that would hold up in a, in a, you know, a real history book or anything, but to me, it's very interesting. It's interesting to think about. Did. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Good little chat. Thank you uh, for joining me today, as always. So where can people follow you? They can go to my Instagram, uh, John Driver, at John Driver, and you can just uh, click the link in my bio. It goes to my link tree. It has all the things there, my website, my podcast, uh, my new book that's out, and a lot of the different interviews I've been doing about that book lately. And uh, you can go check it out. Perfect. You guys go catch up on his podcast and let him know that you're completely caught up, please, <laughs> for my sake. <laughs> By the next time that I'm on this podcast, you're not going to have anything. Like, you're going to be eating all these words. Okay. So. I, I hope so. I, no, I want to ask you a question. Okay. So today, today when we were talking about this, I oh, asked no. you if you had read my latest book. Yeah. And there was a book that you said you had read. And yeah. I said, you read it all? And you said, well, I, I skimmed it. Yeah. So how much of that, I'm not going to say which book it was, how yeah. much of that particular book had you actually read? Do you want to know the truth? Yeah. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the truth. I just wanted to hear you no, say absolutely zero. I was, because well, he posed the question like, okay, did you read my last book? I was like, yes, I did, which well, I, I did. And you're like, what about the one before that? And I was like, yes, I did, just because I needed to say it, I guess, because I'm a liar. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, you were like, well, what was it? And I thought of a book on my shelf. And I was like, oh, uh, it was this one. And then I, yeah. luckily you didn't ask me any questions about it. Well, and then I felt bad because the whole table was like, whoa, we didn't even heard of that oh book before. Oh, my gosh. Because it came know. out right in the middle of the pandemic or the beginning of the pandemic. I don't even know how I acquired a copy. I don't know. But anyway, no, yeah, yeah no, I That's haven't read so that book. Funny. That's so funny. <laughs> we're even. No, we're, we're there. Uh, well, make sure you are following me on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty. Click the link in the description of this episode for my new merch. I have all kinds of podcast logo stuff that just came out that I think is really cool. Um, have you bought one yet? Uh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> right there on my shelf. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, great. Uh, so anyway, y'all get t-shirts, sweatshirts, all the things, and I will talk to you soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up.
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.